You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading this Starting Up podcast from the 13th of December. And this week, our focus was football and exactly how the sport can be big business for clever entrepreneurs. Our startup in the spotlight was Fanera, a crowdsourced multilingual 360 degree social platform designed for and by football fans. We found out how that works with the founder, Mohamed Kalani. We were also joined by football agent Safe Ruby, who specializes in transfers. He's our mentor of the week and he gave us advice on deal making and breaking. Plus, our starting up success story it was a man who's made his fortune teaching children football in Dubai. Adam Felix is the founder of Empire Sports Academy. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the Agenda. Welcome back to Starting Up, our special segment devoted to aspirational entrepreneurs and small business owners. Now, Dubai has long been voted one of the best places to set up a business. And just over half of the Emirates' GDP is made by SMEs. So what is stopping you? Now, one company designed to help entrepreneurs set up in the UAE is VirtuZone. And I'm joined in the studio by their CEO, as ever. I either get George Hajaj, who's here today, or I get Neil Petch. Today is a George day. How are you, Georgia? The George, the George and Georgia show. This is what we like I to do it. when I don't press the wrong buttons, which I did a little <laughs> bit earlier. Uh, have you had a good week? Did you watch any football? I've had a good week. I've been absolutely watching football. We've got a screen set up in the garden. My wife made me do that. So we've become the headquarters of the World Cup watching in the neighborhood. So everyone comes down to yours, basically. Everyone comes down to mine, especially for the France games, as you would imagine. JJ is French. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I've so, had the whole French community at home. So Saturday night at 11 p.m. I will be in Doha. You'll be? No way. <laughs> it's Sunday night and I will be in. I got invited to the final yesterday. I wasn't going to go, but I said to myself, it's once in a oh, lifetime. it is. You know, a World Cup final. So let's do it. So I got, uh, I booked last minute flights, booked last minute hotel and on my way I go. Is it costing quite a lot of money? It's costing quite a lot of money, <laughs> yes. And I'm not even paying for the tickets, so oh it's my costing goodness. quite okay. some money. It's costing quite a lot. Yeah. Well, it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, we're never going to get it in the Middle East in our, li- in our lifetimes. Maybe it'll come to, back. To tell you how, how much of a, of, a, of a highlight event it is, it's my daughter's birthday on the 18th. Ooh. And we had organized her birthday at home, and now we've moved it to the 17th, five days before, because I need to go to this final. Fair enough. Yeah. And I think that they would... I think most, I think nearly most men listening right now would totally agree with you. And I have to say, I wouldn't mind either. A it's shout a out deal. to my wife for understanding because, a, because she had organized it all on the 18th. Oh. So shout out to Geraldine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all other wives putting up with husbands watching a lot of football at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so naturally, uh, we are inspired at the moment by the World Cup. So we've decided to focus on football this morning with a fantastic lineup of entrepreneurs who've made big business out of the sport. And we are joined immediately by our startup in the spotlight, Mohamed Kilani. He is the CEO of Fanera. Now, they're a crowdsourced, multilingual, 360-degree social platform designed for and by football fans. Now, you might be able to tell that I took that line from their website because I'm not quite sure what it means. Uh, good morning, Mohamed. Thank you for joining us on Microsoft Teams. How are you? Georgia and George, good morning. I'm very excited for... Like explaining more about Fanera. Yeah. And George, 
By the way, if you don't feel going to Doha, there is someone can take your ticket. I'm <laughs> sure there is. There are I'm people sure there queuing is. up for that, <laughs> literally queuing up. Okay, so tell me about Fenera. Uh, what do you do in English that, that, that Luddites and over the 40s can understand? So basically, as the name suggests, Fanera is a new era for football fans. Um, half of the world population are passionate about football. But unfortunately, there is no one single social network that brings those uh, people together. People are distracted with different social networks that are not built for fans. So we decided to build it for them. So Fanera is... Uh, dedicated social network for the like-minded fans where they can connect with each other they can share their own moments and engage with fan generated content that's interesting and and uh, is it is it only for football or is it for different sports or different leagues or is it one thing in particular for now we are focusing on the most popular scene invested sport in history football and however, in the future, we are planning to scale it uh, up to other sports. Sure, because if you look at other sports, and uh, especially uh, geographically speaking, in North America, for example, you have very different sports that are that are followed than in this part of the world or in Europe. If you look at the NBA, the NHL, yeah. the NFL, all these things, and these have huge fan bases. I mean, and uh, you know, I look at some of the forums. I'm a hockey fan myself, having grown up in Canada. Obviously. Are you? You so don't meet many hockey fans. The Montreal out. Canadiens yeah, is my favorite team. So, go. so you see a lot of these forums where there's a lot of exchanges from fans, rumors of trades and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I think you've hit a market i think it's, a, it's yeah. a great idea well it's intriguing so is facebook i mean you can tell my age from that but is facebook not doing the job for them then is it not enough to be part of a group on facebook so georgia it does the work but think about it from a different perspective if you are on facebook where people are discussing politics fashion sharing uh photos of their favorite pets it's, it's not, uh, I would say, it's not the right environment for football fans. Fans are like 80% of our network on, on these social network. They do not expect us to share football-related content. And that's why we thought, like, those people deserve to connect with like-minded fans who speak the language of football. So if you see content, you are 100% sure it's related to your interest. If you're supporting Real Madrid, Chelsea, or Assad, or uh, Al Nasser, Al Ain, Al Emirati, so the content is tailored to the, uh, let's say, the teams that you love. And this is another advantage over uh, the other social media platforms. So you are, I would say, surrounded with people who appreciate your content and they can 100% engage with it. Sounds cool. I mean, how many users have you got? You're a UAE-based company, aren't you? Good question. Uh, is it before the World Cup or during the World Ooh, Cup? Oh, yeah, well, tell uh, me. Um, that. I'd like to know the difference. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sounding like uh, Bill Gates when uh, he was asked about his wealth and he said, is it before the question or after the question? So uh. to be honest, <laughs> during, during the World Cup, um, uh, I'm very proud and this is the first time I'm saying this, we grew our numbers 70%. So before the World Cup, we had 170,000 uh, active users. Right now, we have over a quarter million active users. And this is, um, I, I, I tip the hat for the team, 
who are sleeping at office, who are working day and night to serve these communities, to listen to them. And, um, and we're, we're very proud of that. We are the That's first uh, social from its kind worldwide. And coming from the Arab region, is, it has another, let's say, another spicy on uh, how it sounds. And after 100 years, World Cup has landed on and the Arab region, and we are very proud to, um, let's say, to show our culture. And our startup is, is part of uh, the way we identify ourselves. We have talented people, we have startups. And by the way, um, I, I, I would like uh, to ask you if you can guess my jersey. It's can red. You... It's red. You're going to have to stand it's up a, a Morocco, bit. Morocco it's jersey. a Morocco shirt. You yeah. can tell. Yay! Atlas Lions forever. But England's out now, so I'm pro. Is it, is it in Arabic, your website, or is it in English? So it's, it's in English for now. Perfect. Um, we're, uh, although we are in the Arab region, but we are, we, when we built Fanera, we decided to build it for everyone. And that's why it's a multilingual. Okay, Mohammed, from a, from, a, from a business perspective, what is your business model? How do you, how do you make money? What's your revenue model? Good question. Uh, so, George, we uh, we charge. It's a free platform for fans. However, we charge brands, clubs, and the sponsors who have interest in either selling their merchandise or accessing the like-minded fans twenty-four-seven. And so that's through, through advertising. Similar. Through advertising on the platform, you mean? This is this is one revenue stream. Secondly, we have an affiliate marketing where sport wears the providers who um, have interest in selling and promoting their products, Fanair is their right place. So since the World Cup, we sold over um, 700 items on Fanair. And this is like, I would say, seven times of our month-to-month rate. That's great. It's fantastic to see about how the World Cup, uh, being in the Middle East, has brought growth to a, to an SME based right here because that is exactly what the World Cup was meant to do. That's exactly one of the reasons why FIFA wanted to bring it to the Middle East. Uh, Mohammed, it's a fantastic to speak to you. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope that lots of people go and check out your website. You are our startup in the spotlight uh, for this week. Uh, Mohammed Kalani there, the CEO of Fanera. They're a crowdsourced multi lingual 360 degree social platform designed for and by football fans amazing to hear about the growth that they've seen there since the start of the fifa world cup you're listening to starting up on the agenda on dubai i 103.8 with virtue zone business set up with no regrets. We're very excited about the World Cup. We're focusing on football this morning. When I say we are excited about the World Cup, that is the sort of royal general we. Personally, I've not watched a great deal, but I understand that everyone else has. So I'm running with it. Have you not watched England, Georgia? No. You haven't watched it? Not really. I mean, get it, was eliminated. A, it was on at the back. Shush, shush. <laughs> I've still got... Oh, no, they've taken it. I used to have it coming home on my hotkeys. <laughs> well, it's not there Needless anymore. to say, it's not. So they've taken it away. Uh, the more pertinently, we have another fantastic guest in the studio because our mentor of the week is football agent and transfer expert, Safe Ruby. Now, he's a well-known entrepreneur, media personality and intellect celebrity from the United Kingdom, but he lives out here. He's well-known for assisting players in joining their preferred teams. And in addition, he's an entrepreneur who owns and operates future-gen sports and luxury companies. 
company. He is here to give us advice on deal making and breaking. But safe, we're not going to let you leave the studio without a bit of football gossip as well. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to have you with us. Now, I know George has got a lot that he wants to ask you uh, about the football situation over here at the moment. Uh, what's he, what are you up to? Oh, you're moving the microphone so that it's perfectly positioned. Thank you very much, Thank George. Thank you, George. You're very kind. A pleasure. Okay, now tell... Always a pleasure, Safe. A pleasure <laughs> having you on the show as well. Anytime. Okay, so tell me, you are, uh, you are key in organising deals between uh, the footballers, basically, and the teams. Uh, and to what extent do footballers come to you to do those deals or the football teams come to you? I'm not sure about key, but, um, I mean, it's... Uh, Football business is all about information and um, it's all about who needs what and who's potentially available in the market. And as an intermediary uh, sitting in the middle, I'm the one who kind of gets the information for the buying and selling clubs and communicates with you know both sides as well as the players and their advisors, etc. Um, and that's how a transfer comes around. You're a diplomat, essentially. Um, I would love to be a diplomat. Unfortunately, <laughs> for whatever reason, I seem not you're better to... paid. Don't worry, you're better. <laughs> no, but uh, let's call it shuttle diplomacy. Shuttle diplomacy, yeah, I shuttle like diplomacy. that. Yeah. yeah, but unfortunately, I, I somehow sometimes get myself in a pickle because uh, I like to try and get the job done. And uh, unfortunately, when uh, uh, transactions like this happen, there's always a bit of collateral damage. So unfortunately, that's the the, the name of the game. Saif, which what is the the biggest deal you've ever worked on, or which one? Let's let's not call it the biggest. Which one was the most interesting to you, or the one that where you think you've learned the most, and where you were uh, subjected or exposed to a lot of of, of things that you've learned? Um, I mean, look, I've been involved in a lot of different transfers, mainly into the uh, English Premier League. So I usually bring some of the best players in um, uh, from Europe um, into the Premier League. To be honest, one of my most interesting uh, transfers I did was quite a while ago, which was bringing a uh, a top Senegalese international striker called Demba Ba to the Premier League. Um, he actually came and signed for West Ham, but uh, at the time he was supposed to sign for Stoke City, um, and then he actually failed a medical exam. Upon which, after I had to kind of, you know, um, think on my head in order to find another transaction. In the end, he ended up going to uh, West Ham United and then from West Ham went to Newcastle and was one of the top goal scorers in the Premier League, went to Chelsea, had a fantastic career. But that was quite an interesting uh, turn of events in terms of uh, how it worked out. And these guys, say, if you, you, you know them personally, you go visit them in their home countries, do you follow them from early on or is, are these guys that just, just you know, come your way or, or, or that you cross paths somehow or do you... <laughs> Do you follow these guys from an early on uh, stage? Uh, I mean, as an intermediary, obviously, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, I have good relations with a lot of different football clubs that may ask me for potential targets and positions and say, who do you think is available? And as I have relations with a lot of these players and their advisors and agents, I'm able to be a a good go-between for them. Um, But obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of... uh, um, you know, things that happen in between, which is communicating with, you know, the, the selling club, um, agreeing things between the, the buying and the selling club and then working out and understanding an agreement with the players and their advisors. And uh, obviously it's my job to kind of put everything together. 
Safe, we're seeing uh, we're seeing a lot of footballers in Dubai, ex-footballers or retired footballers. I'm seeing more and more of that. Why is Dubai so appealing to these guys? Um, I mean, look, I live here. I've lived here for a long time. It's uh, arguably the best city in the world to live in, and uh, great, you know, weather conditions, great safety for their families, uh, top-level um, facilities, uh, service, accommodation, and it's a great hub in general. So. Um, You know, over the years since I've been living here, um, you know, a lot of teams from all around the world, uh, Premier League teams come to Dubai all year round for training camps, even if they're four or five days. European teams come here when they have their um, winter breaks, uh, which normally, obviously, this year is a World Cup, but normally is like over Christmas and New Year. Um, and, you know, a lot of people like to be here and uh, it kind of becomes a hub for networking and interacting with people in the football world. And I think safety is a big <clears throat> safety is a big factor. A lot of these guys are very well known. Oh, of course, privacy. Have a lot of stalkers, yeah. have a lot, you know, paparazzis all around them and I, I spoke to a couple of uh, uh, of ex and current football players who've told me, you know, you guys don't realize how, what what a, what a, what a luxury it is to have that safety in well, Europe you don't have that anymore. Do you remember we heard about one of the footballers had to go home because he got burgled? In the UK, one of the British yes, footballers yeah, went Ryan back. Sterling. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, poor correct. bloke. Uh, you've basically got the dream job because you get to hang out with footballers, deal, but you, but you still get the sort of intellectual side of the business, and you're dealing with law, legal issues, you're dealing with contracts, you're dealing with their health issues, and you must be a massive football fan, I'm sure yourself. How did you get into this? I mean, it, it, like, I bet my boys would like, <laughs> like instead of being a footballer, I'm going to recommend to my boys that they become an agent because it's literally an ideal. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, it's definitely not the dream job. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, very, very hard work because, uh, you know, when you're talking about a business that involves human psychology, which is what football players are in general. So you're not dealing in a normal business where it's, you know, reviewing an asset and looking at your profit and loss and then making a business decision. There's actually things beyond that, which goes to mentality Mm. Um, character, how you are as a person. And to be honest, no amount of analysis behind the TV screen or uh, would, would enable you to do that. And that's why a lot of uh, emotional, um, psychological effort go into the business and it's very, very draining. But It's tough, you know, yeah. I mean, I remember, listen, I have, I have a, fr a good friend of mine called Fabio Cannavaro, who safe knows this, who used to be the captain of the Italian football team that won the World Cup in 2006. And Fabio came here after he retired. He played a bit here and then coached here and then was living here. And I said, Fabio, why don't we open a business where we become football agents? I mean, you're a very respected name in the business. You're somebody that's very liked. You don't have any black marks against you. Uh, you know, let's open up an agency and, 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 and become football agents because, you know, any kid, you know, growing up, it's something that I would have liked to do. I'm less and less now that I'm hearing <laughs> safe, safe tell me about it. But Fabio looked at me and says, George, you're crazy. He says, it's, it's the worst job in the world. There's no loyalty. There's no, it's, you know, it's a lot of backstabbing going on. Unfortunately, agreed, yeah. Yeah, a lot of backstabbing really? going on. It's a very, very, very dirty business. We're going to keep safe with us because uh, needless to say, I've got an awful lot of questions for him. I want to get into the gossip. I want to know whether Ronaldo is going to be paid $200 <laughs> to go and work in Saudi. Um, $200 million. Yeah, $200, $200 million. Yeah. <laughs> $200 a second. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtuzone, business setup, 
with no regrets. Yeah, Georgia Tolly here alongside George Hojage from Virtue Zone. We've also got a very interesting guest in the studio. Uh, Safe Ruby, uh, he is a football agent. He's an intermediary intermediary and transfer expert, also well-known entrepreneur and media personality. Say thanks for sticking with us. Not least because the questions are about to get tricky. I want to know about Bring Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, you're ready. I like the fact you're primed. Uh, Ronaldo, $200 million to go to Saudi. Is it happening? Is it true? What's going on in Ronaldo's mind? I mean, good for him. I mean, uh, it's a huge amount of money, but I think I believe that offer was contingent on him obviously becoming a global ambassador for Saudi Arabia, sport, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, whether he takes it or not, only time will tell. I mean... Uh, he was going on about wanting to have a footballing legacy um, to finish his career off. So I'm not sure that football in Saudi Arabia would be the one to uh, be his, uh, you know, swan song. So, uh, but then again, it's a huge amount of money, and uh, and if you know if he's able to go over there and take Saudi Arabian football to another level, I mean, everybody saw how well Saudi Arabia have done in the World Cup. Um, and someone like Ronaldo, in reality, could really push it onto another level for them in terms of the standard of the league and, and the attention it will get. Interesting stuff. Interesting. I, we'd love to have him in the region. I mean, we've seen what a big boost the Qatar World Cup has given interest in football right here. Uh, so it could be, you know, a real, a real lifeline. Save, what's the, what's the strongest league in the region at the moment? Um, I would say Saudi Arabian League, simply because they have the most fan base. Obviously, it's a huge country. So a lot of the games attract a lot of fans, um, as you've seen with how well the national team has done. Um, Al-Hilal, which is like, you know, a huge historical team in Saudi Arabia, has won the Asian Champions League uh, quite a lot of times. And uh, and yeah, everything there is, is really primed for a massive, massive improvement and assault on uh, on football standards. And, you know, they obviously think someone like Ronaldo could really help them take it to the next level. And uh you know, no one can really deny that. Say, for a question I always had, um, India, China, over a billion people, mm-hmm. no footballers out of there. <clears throat> What's the story? Do you, do you really mm-hmm. think it's when only about programs? Because, I mean, out of a billion people or a billion people plus, you must have somebody that has the skills that can compete at an international level. Yeah, I mean, look, um, obviously China had a few years where they were spending fortunes of money trying to... Uh, get the league you know with your friend Cannavaro and people like that um, but obviously they've suffered a massive uh, downturn with obviously finances being uh, restricted in and out of the country um, India on the other hand obviously had uh, um, created a super league there to try and also promote football but again hasn't quite worked out yet but like you said huge numbers of people and I think the fact that even like Premier League football or say European football hasn't even transcended fully into those markets which are huge you know multi-billion people markets um, there's a lot more things to come from that area but excuse me sorry safe a, a guy who's coming from Senegal who's coming from Cameroon or he doesn't have access to a huge football program or Croatia Croatia, or Croatia. Have four, Croatia have 4 million people there you go or and, Croatia uh, for example best. so how how do we explain that India with over a billion people or China with over a billion people cannot produce good footballers? Because producing good footballers is is nothing to do with the number of people. It's to do with, you know, footballing culture, to do with how they are trained, how they are mentally prepared. 
And also historically, I mean, if you look at Croatia, for example, you know, as obviously they're in the semifinals today, you know, they've historically had some of the best players in the world over the last 10 years. Um, Senegal obviously got to the, I think, quarterfinals of the World Cup in 2002, I believe, or I think it was, and, you know, beat France in that World Cup. And again, you know, in Africa, you know, players are playing football from a very young age all over and all over their country. Obviously, India historically, just because we're talking about India, was a cricket-loving nation. So now they're trying to become more into football. That's going to take time. As I was starting up, Mentor, I'm very keen to get some uh, pieces of advice from you before you leave us. Now, trust must be a huge element of your success, a huge mm-hmm. secret of your success in many ways, because you've got young lads mm-hmm. who've got the potential of making literally hundreds of millions in their careers. How do you develop a, a, a trust with them? How do you, how do you make them realise that you're, you know, you're working in their favour? I mean, to be honest, from my perspective, obviously, I mostly act as an intermediary between you know, players, their advisors and the clubs who buy them. But, you know, in reality, a lot of these players nowadays have a lot of, you know, top financial advisors and people that are really, you know, professional in that field. So um, um, maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't so prevalent. But nowadays, it's a big part of the infrastructure around a professional athlete, you know, not just football. So, you know, they'll have accountants, they'll have uh, financial advisors, people that invest them in real estate, um, technology investors, you know, and obviously, you know, even a lot of the guys that come to Dubai and set up businesses of Virtue Zone, you know, because they really think, you know, see the uh, advantages of setting up business in the UAE and it works out really well for everybody. Advice on a sticky deal. So if you are, uh, if you need to get someone out, of a, of, of a, you know, they don't want to work at the football team anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronaldo, Manchester United, <laughs> um, and they want to leave. What's the best? Uh, what's the best way? Is do you need to be sneaky? Do you need to be Machiavellian, or is it best to be totally uh, forthright? He hates you. He wants to leave, <laughs> which is basically what he did with Piers Morgan. To be honest, um, from my perspective, honesty is the best policy because, you know, end of the day, like I said, the problem with football as a business, it's a it's a business based on human. Uh, nature and human characteristics and any any uh, football player who is basically not motivated or not in the right state of mind is no good to anybody and that's why I don't really understand it sometimes when football clubs try to retain and hold on to their assets that end up becoming very worthless because um, you know you need to sell them when they're high yeah, um, and that's what I would do. So uh, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, and kind of turns into a bit of a situation, um, and and you know it kind of could end in tears. But uh, that's why it gets very sticky. So if I could literally, I'm not even interested in football. I could speak to you for hours. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the radio. It's a real great pleasure to have you on. Uh, Safe Ruby, uh, football intermediary, transfer expert, football agent, well-known entrepreneur, media personality. Uh, he is not going to be allowed to not be on the radio again. That's all I can say. No problem, anytime. <laughs> it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much Thanks, indeed. Thanks, Safe. Thank you. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtue Zone, business set up, 
with no regrets. Hello there. Yes, you're listening to Starting Up. Georgia Tolly here. Alongside George Hajaj from Virtue Zone, we are focusing on football this morning. As you can imagine, inspired by the World Cup, George has made everyone very jealous by admitting that he is going to the World Cup final. I am. I am. I almost need you to tell us how much it cost for the hotel and the flight so that we all feel a bit better about it. Okay, so um, I'll tell you. The tickets. I'm offered the ticket, but the ticket is three thousand eight hundred dirhams. Okay, that's for one ticket. Okay. Obviously, we have two tickets, but I just looked at the ticket. It says that the flight, um, shuttle flight on Fly Dubai, is sixteen hundred dirhams. Okay, that sounds right. The five star hotel (coughs) is around five thousand dirhams for one night on a very regular five star hotel, which. I guess, you know, it's a World Cup final. That's sort of what you'd expect to spend, to be honest. Also joined in the studio by our starting up success story because he's managed to make teaching the sport big business. Uh, Adam Felix, the founder of Empire Sports Academy, right here in Dubai, joined us. Hi, Adam. Morning. Morning. Thanks for having me. It's actually, oh no, it's still morning. I've got that right. That's good news. Uh, Have you seen any of the World Cup? I have, yeah. I was fortunate enough to go over to watch the England versus Senegal game last week, Wicked. which was a, a great experience, yeah. sort of once in a lifetime you for all of us. You picked the right game to I go. I did, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I was glad I didn't go this, this past weekend, to yeah. be honest. But yeah, oh, no, it was a yeah. great experience. I mean, the, the infrastructure, everything in Qatar is fantastic. I mean, it's, yeah, you couldn't fault it at all, to be honest. So. And have you seen an uplift in your coaching business right here in Dubai because of the World Cup? Have you, do you think it, 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 it inspires children? Yes, definitely. I mean, we're, for example, we've just finished our term, but we, we have still some football classes running at the moment and we've had huge numbers of particularly Moroccan shirts and <laughs> <laughs> less and less English shirts over the, the last couple of days. But yeah, I mean, kids, it's all they're talking about. I mean, it's uh, yeah, huge, huge increase in popularity over the last few weeks. And it works, you know, FIFA's mandate, uh, if, you, if you watched you know, if you watch the documentary on, on, on Netflix about FIFA, um, uh, there is a lot of negative in there, but it also explains to you how FIFA works, right? Yeah. And FIFA's, FIFA's mandate is to go around the world and develop football. So giving money to different, different federations, creating events in different parts of the world. And it's meant to get people or kids or people interested in the sport like they did in the USA, for example, in 1994 when they did the World Cup. Football or soccer, as they call it in the US, was very very weak there and now they have one of the biggest programs in the world when it comes to investment so you know i I, there is there is there is you know having the world cup in this part of the world will get more people interested we'll get more kids interested we'll get people signing up to to these academies and 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 wanting to and wanting to improve themselves from a football perspective and it's working and that's the way fifa works and and uh and and i'm glad that we, we you know the kids in this part of the world will get to watch football games we'll get to go to the stadiums we'll get to uh we'll get to experience what football in, in a is much about. safer environment as well and that's yes. one thing that we took away Absolutely. from from being in doha is the environment for children going to these games, you wouldn't get that in, in other areas of the world. And it's so safe and fan-friendly, which is a huge yeah. bonus. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. I mean, you have more than a 1,000 kids mm. if it's through your metaphorical doors each week at Empire Sports Academy. How long have you been running? Because you're definitely one of our success stories Yeah, for, uh, for, We're in our fourth, fifth year, so we've been running four and a half years. And, I mean, it's obviously we, we went through the COVID period, so it hasn't all been... Um, all happy for us. There was a difficult period as well, yeah. But we're into our fifth year, and uh, things are things are going well for us. And obviously, off of the back of the European Championships in the summer, our female program has grown, and now hopefully, with the World Cup being in this part of the world, we are seeing continued growth, and hopefully, that continues. So, my kids 
uh, go to Empire. I have to do the sort of full open door policy. And I have to say, it was through COVID that, oddly enough, I wonder whether that was the boost your business needed in some ways. I know it sounds ironic, but that you carried on doing classes virtually. And there was a real feel of community because of all those children joining on Zoom and everyone seeing each other. And for me, that was really what... I've, I've, I've got a, I've, I've got a, um, a warm and fuzzy feeling whenever I think of Empire because yep. of those days. And I'm sure that all of the other parents that were involved during that time have felt the same way. So it's intriguingly, it feels like COVID made Helped things. Helped us massively. I mean, Weird, we, yeah, it is. I mean, what, lots of football clubs and companies went the opposite way during that, that time. But we, we have full-time members of staff. We had people not doing anything. We had to bang our heads together and say, look, this is what we need to do to keep, retain our players and customers and we the amount of zoom calls and <laughs> zoom classes that we've done we've done it every day for all of our children we ended up doing fitness classes for the parents on a saturday morning we tried to do everything we possibly could to maintain and retain our customers and of course then we actually recruited through that process and then when we came off the back of covid we were first fortunate enough to be able to get back up and running and we just saw a huge boom which Looking back on it, it was a, was a great decision. We could have sat there and felt sorry for ourselves, but we didn't. And like you said, that feedback we got from a lot of parents about that community feel, the warm, fuzzy feeling. We still had kids from the very start who are our oldest players now, and we, we've managed to keep them. So, yeah, it's good. So, Adam, how many kids do you have now in the academy? I think it's around we, – we, we see about 1,000 <laughs> pupils a week and i mean that's not that, that's, that's a lot that, yeah it's not to say that they all play for our club full-time we we work in a lot of schools where we do after school activities so the kids stay behind after yeah. school and and they come onto our programs and in our club there's about 800 players from three-year-olds all the way up to 18 year olds boys and girls so i mean we've seen seen an organic growth a, a big one at that but there are about 800 full-time members and what kind of staff do you have the coaches the trainers who what are the, what's their background in general a, a real mix and i think that's probably one of our strongest attributes is that we do have a mix we have um coaches that have played in the game coaches that have coached professionally back in the uk um, myself i've worked in australia we've had coaches that have worked in china a real sort of some young coaches some older coaches a real mixture which i think supports us to make sure that we are we're delivering at the standard that we are and, and your mission is to teach kids how to play football is it to prepare them for higher levels of football is it to make them professional or is it a mix of all that? a real mixture so we have kids that have never ever played before we sort of captured the market of the development children the kids that are maybe eight nine years ten years of age that are beginning we give them that, that opportunity to play matches against other clubs we've created that we also have our advanced program players that want to go on and play at a higher level. We've got an under-18s team, a real mixture. I mean, a big thing for us is the social side of the game. And if somebody wants to sign up, where do they go? Uh, they can find us on social media, but we, we're based at two schools, um, Repton School Albasha and Safford Community School in Miracle Garden. And They're on social media, you would search for? Empire Football. Okay. And was the schools and joining up with the schools and doing the after-school clubs a key sort of element of your success, do you think? The, the biggest, I think. I mean, that's the recruitment pool that we have and the relationships and partnerships we have with the school. For example, we've been with those schools for four or five years. They trusted us. We trusted them and we stuck with them through COVID, etc. And we've been with those schools for a long time. We go in and support them in the mornings, during the day. We give a lot, but they yeah. also we're very fortunate to work with such good schools and they give us a lot back as well yeah because you do those free morning sessions yep. during the 30 30 week which are which are really 
cool, really yeah, helpful. And we, and we support them with PE classes. You know, we go into some of our schools and take the school football teams and, and support them. So we give a lot, but it's, it, it, the return for us is fantastic because we're the go-to place for all of those kids in the schools. Expansion plans? Uh, just to continue to grow in terms of we've now started an under-18s team. Next year, we hope they'll go to under-23s. We're in conversations about... Um, going into the pro league over here. So they have a division three over here. Um, Some of our competitors have already done that. Um, So in the next two years, we look to enter the pro game. Our girls, under 15 girls, play in the UAE Women's National League. So they play against women on a a weekly basis. They're particularly strong. Uh, We're taking 100 players to Sweden in July. We done that last year to the uh, Gothia Cup. Wow. Um, yeah, last year it was only 32 kids. And now you're taking 100. 100, yeah. yeah good yeah, on you. Have yeah. a good uh, and week. The, and, the pa- and the parents, we take the kids away from the parents, and so they have a, a lovely relaxing week in Sweden whilst we're 24-7 care of their children. Yeah, so sign me up. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> uh, Adam Felix, the founder of Empire Sports Academy right here in Dubai. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks you are our me. starting up success story this week. And Absolutely. This program the starting up success story has been today it's yes. been an absolutely fascinating show George, thank you thanks Adam, for, your help. for sharing thanks georgia it's been a great one